If you're a fan of minimalistic games, then this episode is definitely for you. And if you are more skeptical about them, well, just keep on listening anyway, because you might enjoy it. We are talking today here at Open Indie about the game Thronefall, which is out since August this year, 2023. It's out in early access. And it's a cute game about building and defending your little kingdom. It's a mixture of strategy, TD and city builder. And it's already been rated overwhelmingly positive by around 8,000 people. They are saying things like, it's a tower defense we've been waiting for, or they're saying it's more enjoyable than most AAA titles coming out this year. Thronefall is being developed by Grizzly Games. They're from Berlin and they consist of two devs, Paul and Jonas. They've already made games like Superflight and Islanders. My dearest husband, Eve, he talked to Paul. They are chatting about his career, about Grizzly Games and about Thronefall, of course. And they're also talking about the question if Thronefall will stay a single player experience or if it will get a co-op mode at some point. Hi, Paul. It's great that you're here today. Hi, thanks for having me. Paul, can you describe a typical run in Thronefall for us? So what do we see and what do we hear when we play the game? Yeah, sure. So Thronefall is, I would say, loosely based in a tower defense genre, but um, probably a bit different from your usual tower defense experience in gameplay. And once you uh, load up the game, you probably first thing you hear is um, a couple of major sounds and you see a more or less not empty, but like just a plain arena, probably some grasslands, some trees, some mountains. Um, this is a place where you will found your new kingdom. And then this is pretty much the loop during the day. You expand and grow your kingdom by adding little buildings to it. And then during nighttime, enemies will attack your kingdom to try to defend it. And then it's pretty much um, about managing the balance between spending your money on economy by building new economy buildings that will provide you with further income, like a mill, for example, or a fishing harbor. And spending on defense that will make it easier for you to defend your kingdom during the night because once it needs to reach your castle center and destroy it, the game is lost. And then during the night, you also have control over um, your little troops. Like during the day, you can build barracks and different buildings that will add to your army. And then during the night, you can command your army as well, like different from how tower defense games usually are. You also have this kind of like real-time strategy light element in it where you can actually command your army and have like a bit more of um, tactical decision-making to do during the night. And you can also as well attack the enemies yourself, like ride around on a little horse. And yeah, besides commanding units, you can also like dive right into battle and fight for yourself. What I really like is the blend of tower defense and that you're also taking an active role. So you're not only a lazy king who sits in the castle and lets everyone do his dirty work, but you also get to ride out and uh, command your troops and really get to participate in the game and the cycle between active daytime where you resource manage and nighttime battle is really a beautiful blend. How did you come up with the idea for the game? That's it. Actually, um, quite a bumpy, a bumpy ride until we arrived at the idea we finally went with. It um, started with something completely different. The only thing that was similar to our front fold out was 
that the idea was based loosely on managing and expanding your kingdom. But originally we had an idea for a card game which played on this fantasy where the idea was it was kind of like Game of Thrones fantasy kind of thing. Because the idea was you, you had those little um, advisor people that were represented as cards as well and you could like uh, deploy them to different areas of your kingdom so it was more like a larger countryside structure and it was more about the political intrigues and stuff that happened in the kingdom when you would like draft and deploy your, your advisors to different areas of the kingdom where they would do different tasks and then you try to like manage your kingdom and there would be several conflicts and political stuff on the map so a very very different and very complex idea and now that I speak about it it's pretty clear to me why it didn't work out but back then we for some reason thought it would be a great idea to do and then after um, prototyping, or actually we, we were past the prototyping stage and kind of decided this was what we want to go with. But then at some point we just realized it wasn't fun at all and we kind of like very radically decided to scrap everything besides the fantasy because that was one thing we really liked with this kind of being, being in control of your kingdom thing. And then, I mean, that's a pretty popular fantasy. We're not the the only ones making games about this fantasy, but what we usually do with Grizzly Games is taking a very popular fantasy and then distilling this into something that is very accessible and usually much simpler than the games you would usually have out there already playing on the same fantasy. So we decided to keep the whole Kingdom fantasy in place and just scrap everything else and try to just then, based on that, come up with interesting gameplay systems. And yeah, fast forward a couple of weeks, we just produced stuff that wasn't fun really at all. We kind of came up with this mix. It's obviously pretty inspired by um, Thomas Funnenberg's Kingdom series. We probably played it as well, this little pixel art side-scroller, which is, at least in, in some parts, very similar to Thronefall, since you have this similar structure where during the day you can build buildings, especially the way how you build them that you're not able to place any building freely, but rather you have this build slot so you can just decide to build one building in particular or not build it. But um, yeah, this kind of decision space is something that we really draw uh, from Kingdom as inspiration and it was a game we both really liked. Then on the other side, we still saw a lot of potential in there that was not tapped by the original Kingdom series. Uh, especially by transforming the whole idea into uh, a more 3D space. It gave a lot more tactical opportunity. And then, um, yeah, I think we also shifted from there in a, in a quite different direction because the Kingdom games are very atmospheric and it's more, more about exploration and storytelling. And Thronefall is much more about the mechanics of the gameplay. So we tried to extend the system much more in the, in the gameplay and tactics department and also add this idea of being able to fight yourself because in Kingdom you are pretty much passive during the night it's and that sounds it's like regular tower defense game where you can like decide to build stuff during the day or during the pause between waves and then when the enemy actually attacks you're pretty much helpless and there's nothing much you can do besides watching. So yeah I think that's a summary of how we came up with Groundfall. What I really liked about it is that it's easy to get into the game to, and to transition between this 2D, the kingdom in example is, to this isometric view that you guys chose for Thronefall really worked out perfectly. So it's really accessible, fun to play. Great, that's good to hear. 
talking about Thronefall, what is your favorite feature in your game up to this point? I know you're still in early access and there are still features coming, but when you boot up the game, what's the one thing where you would say, oh, that's something I really like? I think the way we solved commanding your little army is the thing I like most about the game because I really, like, I grew up in a time where real-time strategy was a very popular genre. Like, I like today, it was like, I think when I started playing games, games like The Settlers, Age of Empires, um, yeah, many more were, were kind of like the most popular games. So it's a genre I grew up with and I also always really liked the fantasy of it, but I was never good at it. I, I really, I think the multitasking part of it always stressed me out because it was, I don't know, they were always quite difficult to play for me because there were so many different areas that the matter your attention at the same time and just messy real quick so in the end it always was a rather stressful experience for me and i think with thronefall we found a pretty good way to keep much of the interesting tactical decisions in there and the, the strategy part and it's real time but it's much less stressful than the usual rts so i really like the way how that plays out in the game RTS degraded to a niche horror, still hoping for a comeback, but when you see the professional players or even the mid-tier players in the internet for games like Warcraft and Starcraft, they dish out 500 APM, they demolish their keyboards, it's insane. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah, basically I think you summarized it pretty well. Um, we we took the same kind of gameplay and the same fantasy, but it's down to more like 5 APM probably, <laughs> or, or 10 maybe, but it's much less stressful. Thronefall released in August this year in Steam Early Access. What are your long-term plans for Thronefall? Well, it's something I can't really say for for sure. Yes, we the way we approach it is maybe a bit unlikely and different from how you would manage it in a, in a larger studio. But we, we kind of entered the whole Early Access access thing pretty, um, pretty open to whatever the process um, develops into. We didn't really have much financial pressure because development isn't that expensive for us. It's just the two of us and we had quite some financial resources from the previous games with it. And we like we just didn't spend a lot of money and the only thing we had to do is pay our rent and food. In theory, we could have kept going for quite a while. And at one point we just realized the game was in a playable state and many of the, the systems that were necessary for the game were done already. The only thing that was really lacking to be like a, a proper full game was content and then we decided hey that's probably the perfect scenario for early access because we then can just evaluate the content we have already and see what future content has to provide and where we can improve the experience and also we have the feeling of having put something out there and being able to engage with the community because that's usually the thing that tires me the most during the development cycle where just have this urge to finally have other people look at what you made, like enjoy it. So that was just a really nice way to get to this point as quick as possible and still being able to add more content to the game. And then from there we decided to, we just wanted to see how it went. If it were a flop or just didn't go well, then we would have decided to wrap things up pretty quickly after the release, maybe like put out a little bit more content and then just Turned down work on something else, but now since it has been quite successful, working on it is 
is super fun. There's a quite a large and engaged community, so it's just a very enjoyable thing to do. And we don't really know at this point how much we still want to add to the game. We, we just probably keep going until we at least have a little bit more of our to-do lists done. There's no way we can win implement anything, everything we, we want to do, but and definitely a couple of things we um, we still want to do. Uh, we also want to explore bringing the game to different platforms like Nintendo Switch or maybe even mobile, because when we designed the game, we took great care to, um, to keep the controls so simple that it was basically possible to port it to every platform. It would be no, no issue to control the touch, for example. So that's definitely another area we'd like to explore. But I guess it might be subject to change, but if you ask me today, I will probably aim for August next year, maybe for a full release. Oh, cool. Yeah, no, and since since we don't have really any pressure here, we might just decide to, to keep it going a little longer, if we feel like it. <laughs> I really love the idea that you embrace the idea of early access that much, and you already mentioned the community, and you have a very active community. Your dev partner, Jonas, is also doing regular dev streams, as I've seen during my preparation for this podcast. So you really engage the idea to include part of the community, uh, which is, from my point of view, a really nice idea. Yeah, it's, it's a super fun process, honestly. It's something very new to us, or to me at least. Jonas, I guess, has some, some more experience with engaging with the community, since he has this huge YouTube channel, and I think also began he did before as a solo project where you snail there he had a lot more community interaction with the games i worked on before they all were um much smaller in scope than throne follows and we all released them as finished projects and then basically after a couple of bug fixes didn't do anything anymore which was fine and i was eager to move on to new projects but um I never really got a chance there to actually engage with the community and with the people playing the game I think I enjoy very much about the development of Front for that I actually can get in touch with people playing the game and just like see how the community involves and there's just so much useful input from the community as well. Absolutely. Before we come to you as an indie dev, one question regarding the feature, is there a multiplayer planned? No, that's very unlikely. Sadly, I mean, many people are asking for one, but it's just a lot of work. Um, we don't have any experience working on multiplayer games and I think usually it's it's a good idea to set the game up from the beginning to be a multiplayer experience because there are so many so many systems and so much of the um, technical implementation is done in a way that doesn't really is well suited for multiplayer. Yeah, no worries. During my uh, research, this question plopped up a few times on my radar. Yeah, no. So when I tried the game, uh, of course, you know how it is. Typically, <laughs> when you get a great game, uh, you want to play it with your friends. Yeah, I, told, I, got the, I got the urge to just want to share the experience with friends. But then on the other side, even if it would be technically possible for us, I'm still not sure if it would be a great multiplayer experience as is. Maybe if we would come up with a special multiplayer mode, but I mean, the gameplay as it is currently is really designed to be a single player experience. So that makes total sense. Let's talk a little bit about you as an indie dev. What kind of games do you like to play? Well, that varies a lot, actually. Um, as I mentioned already, the first games I played were uh, old school RTS games. 
concepts, just, I don't know, cool stuff to play. And then from there on, it was a phase where I really enjoyed sports games. So it was after the real-time strategy era, where I was really into Tony Hawk's Pro Skater and um, stuff like that, which I guess later reflected in the ramp. And then for most of my youth and growing up, teenage time, I um, was really into online games, like Call of Duty, Counter-Strike, League of Legends, just everything more or less comparatively online. And was so until I um, started making games myself. And it wasn't only, it wasn't until then that I um, discovered there were indie games. I didn't even know that indie games were a thing when I started studying game design. So that was then a whole new world to discover. Um, when did you start developing games? 2015. Oh, okay, cool. And then for, for a couple of years, I mostly played on various indie games. With a, every now and then, I was drawn back to more competitive online gaming, like especially with the Battle Royale games of the past years. I've spent quite a, quite a few hours in those as well. But, yeah. So the big PUBG and Daisy craze. Yeah, I, I actually, for a while, I kind of had a hard time to enjoy classic AAA or larger games because it was just, I don't know, I just couldn't see them the way I saw them before, I think. Couldn't really get into the, the right mindset to play them, I guess. But recently, um, we acquired a Steam Deck with the Grizzly Games, who um, has thrown fall on it, and I think it might have been just the ability to get away from your desk and play PC games um, while on the couch or on somewhere else that kind of brought me back into, into the right space of mind to enjoy those larger experience again. And yeah, recently I just picked up a couple of larger games again and quite some fun with them. Like, pretty mainstream. I played The Witcher and my latest um, addiction is to Divinity Original Sin 2 because I was kind of thinking about getting into Baldur's Gate and I wasn't sure if it was for me and then I, re I remembered that I bought Divinity and I tried to play it for two or three times I think and then always kind of it just faded out for me after the intro. Yeah this time I really got the hang of it. It's quite fun. So you studied uh, games development? I started making games um, during my game design university program. So I actually didn't even know making games was a real job. Like I, I for sure thought it would be cool to make games, but I didn't see a chance to do it for a living. So I, after some, some Trial and error, I kind of ended up studying computer science and probably had the hope to get into game making some way. But pretty early on, like in just a couple of weeks after I started the program, I realized this is not bringing me closer to making games at all. So I decided to quit and then in the process of quitting and looking for something new, I kind of by chance just, just discovered um, the program I ended up in. And at the time, there's probably more now, but at the time it was one of the two um, state-funded university programs targeting game design in Germany. So it was one in Cologne, one in Berlin. And I, 
ended up in Berlin. And it was yeah, pretty much the start of myself even considering making games for a living. And I also had no experience prior to the program, so I, I couldn't program, I didn't do any of the other like, kind of plug-and-play engines. We also had a few indie devs from Germany, of them depending on what age they are, the younger generation, not that we are old, <laughs> but uh, the, the even younger generation, they already mentioned today, it's like, okay, you can study computer sciences, not uh, to program databases, but they also offer game development studies. Yeah, absolutely. And even that it's, at least it's um, recognized now that it's a career plan, because I think that was the part that I was lacking most, like the awareness and is even a real job to make games. I grew up with Nintendo and Nintendo for me, in my head at least, was always Japan. <laughs> so somewhere in Japan and uh, in Groß Ostheim, I think in Germany somewhere, but still impossible to achieve and don't think about it and whatever. But great that you got the chance to attend this. And you said you started 2015 and 2017, you already released your first game with Grizzly Games, Superflight. Yeah. That's right. We kind of stumbled into into the whole thing, really, um, because after I discovered I wanted to make games for a living, I was still far from realizing that I could make any games. When I started the program, I kind of imagined to end up in some kind of big studio working on, I don't know, maybe the games I love to play before, like Battlefield or Call of Duty or what, I don't know, <laughs> but I didn't even consider any games as a career path. I kind of like, we, yeah, we just ended up there because our program was structured in a way that we um, pretty much every semester created a new game or depending on, on which way you, you went, it wouldn't necessarily be a game or maybe an interactive experience or something more experimental, but kind of like one project every semester and after so, I mean, the first semester was kind of like the very basics of um, different parts of game making and design. And then after the second semester, things really um, started. And then we did a 2D game at the end of our first year, which we um, uploaded on HIO. I think it was there where I first um, just discovered how exciting it can be to put something out there and have other people play it and enjoy it. Back then, for us, it was quite successful because I think seven or eight hundred people downloaded it to the jail and played it. We were super happy about that. We um, thought, hey, wow, that's that's cool. It's super fun. And I think from there, when, I, when we created the next um, game then in our third year, we from the beginning on, we um, just defined it as a, as a goal for that project that we wanted to um, properly publish it. Like, not on HL, but on, on Steam. Back then, we still had this Steam Greenlight thing where you kind of like had to upload your, um, I think, like the store page. It didn't involve anything playable. It was just, I guess, the store page, some screenshots in the video. And then the Steam community could like vote whether they want to have this admitted to the store or not. So that was the goal for this project. And then we kind of managed to almost finish it up during the semester. So there was uh, quite a bit of work to do afterwards, but we were kind of determined to finish things up. And then we realized that we had to found a company because <laughs> I didn't really think about it before, but yeah, obviously you need some kind of legal structure then to 
publish and sell it again. But I remember that back when we founded the company, I was kind of like annoyed by the whole process because I thought, well, we're not like selling a lot of copies anyway. We're not earning any money with that. Why do we have to go through all this unnecessary paperwork? And well, I'm happy we, we followed through with it because then we, we, yeah, we just founded a little company and got our game greenlit and then we pretty much just published it. And to this day, I can't really say how it happened because we didn't do any marketing for it. We, uh, we emailed a couple of journalists and I think um, one guy from Kotaku for some reason just wrote a small article about Superfly. But other than that, we, we had basically zero marketing. And then, um, yeah, surprisingly, a couple of people bought the game and then it kind of took off and seen and was at least for, for our standards back then, incredible success. Like thousands of people were buying the game and we earned some real money with it. And that yeah, was a pretty exciting experience. Success well earned. And you also did some solo projects, I think. Or was this all under Grizzly Games? I mean, the next game we worked on was Islanders. I was pretty much just the year after, like it was the next proper semester project. And I mean, obviously then we kind of realized maybe this is the career path even, or at least it's something that can be quite exciting and successful. So with Islanders, of course, we, we started with a different mindset already. Then the, the explicit goal was to create a product really, like something we could market on Steam. Approach the whole project in a, a bit more of a professional manner, probably. But it was still our third year university project, so we had that experience, obviously. And like we tried to do the same things right. We did right with um, Superflight and maybe improved in some other areas. Um, yeah, surprisingly, it worked out as well. And then um, after that, there was quite a long um, period of time where we didn't do anything with Grizzly Games because we kind of were in a situation where some of us were finished with the studies already. Um, I, for example, was not because I still had to do an internship and was just like half delayed in my, in my study progress. And then everybody kind of like went their own way for a bit and everything we did overlapped in a way that we didn't really have this um, uh, free time space to start a new project and then I was kind of like in a situation where I didn't really know what to do because I actually still thought I was end up I was going to end up in um, some kind of studio and maybe the indie game thing was just um, a small period so I applied for a couple of things but then COVID happened and um, for example the Ubisoft that was like this Ubisoft graduation program thing I, I was in the process of applying for that just got cancelled with the start of COVID um, so I was kind of in a situation where I just didn't know what to do really like making games Christy games wasn't an option really I wasn't too keen to be honest to just work in some studio um, so I figured to just um, I don't know maybe give it a go to make some games on my own. And I kind of, just by accident, uh, built this little prototype of a uh, um, half-pipe skateboarding game. Still on my Switch, the ramp. Yeah, <laughs> one of my favorites, yeah. Yeah, it just uh, went its way from, from, I think the ramp for me was really the, um, the turning point where I really, like, after I made the ramp and saw that that one worked out as well, I was determined to 
really made in the games my career because before I still I, I wasn't too sure about whether it was just maybe some some one-time thing or two-time thing maybe since I didn't know what the future of Grizzly Games was and I thought this constellation would be the only way for me to um, make in the games. I wasn't sure whether it was something I could pursue for the rest of my life because maybe the other people had different different plans. Well then this realization that I could also make games completely on my own if everything else failed, I could chill so like just make games on my own. And yeah, at that point I really realized that it was what I wanted to do probably for the rest of my life. Hope so. <laughs> I also do this a lot let's see. Um then um well some things changed. Friedemann, the person I work with in actually every game until I made the ramp. So he was one of the founding members of Grizzly Games. And he like we kind of like uh, switched uh, like um, the structure changed a bit over the course of the different games we did. So Superflight was founded with Friedman and Shah, and then Shah left the company and Jonas joined the company. We created Islanders with Jonas. And then after I made the ramp and I was kind of like looking for well, we, we kind of were looking for new opportunities with Grizzly Games and then Friedman eventually decided to leave Grizzly Games because he was keen to explore, I think, um, a more experimental style of game. He wanted to like, yeah, just put more work into his personal projects and really see his future in Grizzly Games. So, um, yeah, after we went through this process, we were finally back in a position where we were ready to create something new with Grizzly Games and done in a very brief time frame <laughs> between this moment in time and the moment where we actually started working front for. I was in the situation where I um, kind of was, I suddenly had this anxiety that I wouldn't publish anything for a long time because I still didn't know how long our next project take. Um, I was just really keen to publish something else before. And then I had this, I think it was four weeks before um, I was bound to start a new project with Jonas because he still had some stuff to sort out with his old projects. And I had like four weeks of spare time and I was like, okay, we're going to see if I can make something publishable, just a tiny little experience in this four weeks. And this is how the block happened with my second solo project, which is not even a game. It's like a very, very minimalist toy kind of thing where you just place little buildings on a square. Like, one square tiles and build a very, like a zen-like experience just build a little city uh yeah so i did that it was actually pretty much done in four weeks and a couple of well well weekends of polishing it but that was a very interesting experience as well i saw a review about it and the headline was something like on steam there's this game that is not really a game but you're still going to love it yeah it was man, it was a fun experience really to to make it because it was so constrained in time that I didn't really have to this, the resources to overthink anything. I loved it. Yeah. I really liked the art style also from the Ramp Islanders, all of your games basically. It's amazing that you managed to really boil it down to something that is so stylized and beautiful to look at really. On Switch, I already mentioned I played uh, the Ramp on Switch when Nintendo sold the Game Boy Advanced without backlight. <laughs> you had, <laughs> and I got Tony Hawks. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
from the art style, I instantly felt reminded of it. And it's not like you're going to play it for hours, but still something where you say, okay, I have 10 minutes or whatever, boot it up, play around, do a few tricks, yeah, put it down again. That's something you really managed with most of your games, really. Yeah, thank you. That's good to hear that it's the way um, our users end up playing it then, because it's really, I mean, you can't really control how the experience is done for players eventually, but it's really what we aim for when creating those experiences, I think. Like really this kind of accessibility and also creating games that not demand too much of your time is really important to us. Speaking of game development in general, where are you getting support from? So do you have kind of a publisher or public funding or does the community support you? You already mentioned that your first games already were a moderate success, so you don't have any financial pressure there. But still, since you're developing in Germany, do you get any kind of support? Um, no, we don't. I think we are in a pretty privileged and unusual position there probably, but since we by accident just were able to make a living even while we were still studying from it and then we also we just keep our company structures pretty slim so we don't hire we, we didn't hire any people or anything i mean now we we have a community manager which is it's fantastic like he's doing such a great job and it's something we couldn't manage otherwise but um besides that we just don't really spend a lot of money on the games we make. We are just very well able to support us by by the uh, income the past games have generated. Yeah, cool. Nice. Mm, yeah, I think we really like the independence. What would you say is the indie gaming industry in Germany like? What's your feeling about how it's doing? Are you active in the scene or do you have many connections there? Um, well, not, not as active as I would like, I think. Maybe probably has something to do with COVID as well, because then for a while there wasn't too much of those events you would attend in person. Um, it's definitely something I want to do more in the future, like connect with fellow German or even European game developers, because I really feel like it's, it's a community that grows rapidly. Back when I started making the games, I wasn't really aware that there was any community really. I mean, there, uh, of course, it was even back then the community. You know, I feel like it's really growing and has been growing a lot since then. Don't worry about it. That there's a lot of cool events, as you already know. You feel up to it and just join. No, I definitely want to take more time to attend those events. Maybe even the larger ones go to Gamescom, <laughs> for instance. Have you been this year? No, I have been. I have been on the very first Gamescom uh, as a consumer back then, obviously. And then I think the one after as well, and then never again because it was just, I, I as a just as a gamer going there it was a stressful experience. Absolutely, <laughs> I, I would really uh, like going there as a game developer and yeah, just connect with fellow indie game devs. I can recommend the Arena booth. That's something I really enjoyed in the past couple of years, where they where they really uh, have a dedicated space for indie games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard good things about that. Maybe Tronfall next year. In Gamescom. I'm, yeah, I'm aiming for next year. Not even sure if I would want to exhibit anything there, because especially if you're just one or two people, you don't, I think you would just have to spend so much of your time attending to your booth. But I'm rather, yeah, I don't know, roam around and connect with people. <laughs> I might, might as well just go there without exhibiting anything. 
Final question, since we already talked about it a little bit, in your opinion, is Germany a great place for developing games and indie games? Um, well, I guess that depends really on, on the situation you end up in. Uh, I wouldn't say it's great for everybody. It has turned out to be great for me since I was pretty lucky, I guess, to end up in the, in the university program I ended up with. But I would wish for more, um, more support, especially for people that maybe don't even know yet that they want to make games or maybe they know they want to make games, but they don't even know yet that this can be an actual career path. So I would say in hindsight, probably the hardest part was getting into it at first. And then, I mean, I can't really say much about how the situation is if you were dependent on funding or more infrastructure. It might be a different story then, but I don't after getting into it really and after getting proper education where i would say the education part in, in the sense of learning some hard skills wasn't really the important part like most of it could just do online for free having this environment at the university where there are so many like-minded people and people you can engage with and the kind of structure that forces you to look for people and, and develop projects with them That was, I think, the most helpful part in my education. So once I got there, I would say it was a pretty good environment for me, actually. I know getting there is probably, it could need some love. If one of our listeners now learns that you can study games development also in Germany, we already done our job, Paul. Yeah, that's it for our interview today. If you haven't tried it, try Thronefall and all of the other games we just mentioned in the course of our talk today. Give some love to the devs, Grizzly Games, check them out. And yeah, thank you for listening. And Paul, thank you so much for being on our show. Thanks a lot for having me. It was a pleasure. Likewise. <laughs>